Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. read the first two verses I meant to you today this went kind of differently than what I thought it was going to go uh, but it's the way it's supposed to go I suppose so I'm just going to read the first two verses amen the Bible says Paul and Timotheus the servants of Jesus Christ to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi with the bishops and deacons, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That's the only two verses I'm going to read from this text, and you're wondering how in the world can we go for the next several minutes from that. Well, you know me. Amen. I want to talk to you this morning about the saints in Christ. The saints in Christ. Christ. Amen. Can we pray together this morning? Father, we love you. God, we appreciate you today and we need your spirit. I pray, oh Lord God, in this place, God, let the anointing of the Holy Ghost touch our minds, touch our souls and our spirits. God, open up our understanding this morning. God, let there be something here. God, within the word said or spoken. God, that someone, Lord, can resonate with. I pray, Jesus, perhaps in their own life. God, we need empowered, Lord, by your spirit. God, that it would do its perfect work. In the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ that I pray, amen and amen. The church say amen. 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 You may be seated this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. The Apostle Paul, of course, wrote uh, this letter or this epistle to the church at Philippi. And we are, in many regards, in debt to the Apostle Paul for many reasons. However, One of them is that the Apostle Paul, in his writing, he wrote almost two-thirds of the New Testament Scripture. So we're grateful, no doubt, and in debt to him for that in his different missionary journeys. uh, You can see in the book of Acts and such that there were about three or so missionary journeys that the Apostle Paul took establishing churches and works in different cities and towns and countries and nations. And after he established those works, he kept in contact with them, these churches and with certain people, uh, through epistles, or another name for epistles is through letters. He kept in contact with them, checking on them many times, uh, taking care of any problems that may have rose through his writings to them. As you look through the New Testament Scripture, just for a little uh, preview here, The four Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they inform us about the life and the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. The book of Acts tells us about the actions of the apostles. It tells us about uh, the new birth uh, experience of water and spirit. It tells us about the birth of the church in the book of Acts. But all the epistles and all of the letters are those that teach us about spiritual disciplines and about right living Uh, It's often been said that Acts tells us about how to be saved while the letters tell us how to maintain being saved. Amen. And so the book of Philippians is such a letter. Paul encourages the believers at Philippi to live faithfully for God. 
And Paul, in his own life, he examples unto them what that looks like. He examples to them that they can have a positive attitude, a positive outlook uh, in life, even during some very dismal circumstances, even during some very dismal times. Again, this is more than just what Apostle Paul's theorizing about. He's not just saying, well, you can do this, and he hasn't done it. He's got corn in the crib, so to speak. He's not just theorizing about this. This is fact. It's true because he's worked it out in his own life. Because the writing of the book of Philippians occurred while the apostle Paul was a prisoner. He's writing all these words while he himself is in stocks and bonds in a prison, most likely in Rome. He's probably somewhere around his fourth year of being in Roman custody in prison when he wrote the book of Philippians. And so when we consider this and think, that here the Apostle Paul is, uh, different places it describes him as being chained to a Roman soldier, and yet about 19 times in the book of Philippians, Paul is talking to the church of Philippi about joy. He's telling them to rejoice, and he's talking to them about gladness. Now, Brother Mike Trout, we got to consider, this man's talking about joy and rejoicing, yet he's in stocks and bonds and in prison. So when I tell you he knew what it was like that you can have a good attitude or even an attitude of joy in the middle of some dismal circumstances, he knew what he spoke of. In writing to the church, these are some of the things that Paul said in the book of Philippians. He said, Paul did, I joy and rejoice with you all. There he is in prison. You, you got to get pictured where he's at here. I joy and rejoice with you all. He even referred to the saints at Philippi as my joy and crown. At times, his hands and feet both being shackled. Amen. Yet he says that he rejoices because Christ was still being preached although he was incarcerated. His admonition, and this is probably the most popular admonition that Paul gives in the book of Philippians is, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Now, he's in prison, Sister Margaret. I think we could agree that he had reason, if he really wanted to, to complain. I don't think too many would have faulted the Apostle Paul for being mealy-mouthed and having mealy-mouthed excuses for not being joyful. You know, he could say, well, I don't feel very joyful right now. You understand what I'm saying? But Paul's secret had something to do with what he had written in the book of Philippians and through many other epistles that he had written in the New Testament Scripture. And that is this. Paul favored a particular phrase in his epistles, even here in Philippians. Paul favored this phrase, in Christ Jesus. There's other times he wrote things about in Christ or in the Lord. He favored all these phrases over 130 times throughout the epistles. He had wrote different things of in Christ Jesus, in Christ, and in the Lord. Because, yes, the apostle Paul wasn't being ignorant. He wasn't denying where he was. He wasn't denying that he was incarcerated. He wasn't denying that he was in prison. He saw himself in prison. Of course, he had been in prison before, prior to this moment, but he saw himself in prison. But for that matter, the apostle Paul had been some bad places before. He's had some 
bad curves that's been thrown his way. When we look at his portfolio in the book of 2 Corinthians, we see his, his very daunting and uncomfortable circumstances that he had endured in his life. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 23, and there's something I want you to look at as we go through this, and for emphasis reasons, I'm going to emphasize the word in, all right, I am through this portfolio of the Apostle Paul. This is his resume. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors, more abundant. In stripes, above measure. In prisons, more frequent. In death, oft. Of the Jews, five times received I 40 stripes, save one. Thrice I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned, thrice I suffered, suffered shipwreck. Life's looking pretty good right now, doesn't it? A night and a day I have been in the deep, in journeyings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, beside, what? Beside? Beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Now that's a lot of in, huh? That's a in trouble, <laughs> in problems, in dismay. But Paul was saying that he wasn't just in prisons or in perils throughout the epistles and particularly in Philippians. He was saying and wanted the church to know and us to know that he was in Christ Jesus in prison. He was in Christ Jesus in perils. He was in Christ Jesus in labors more abundant. He was in the Lord in the perils of the sea. In other words, Paul wanted the Philippians to know and everyone to know, you can take me and you can set me in any context. You can take me and you can set me in any surroundings and any environment. But when you place me there, whatever it is, I'm in Christ Jesus and in where ever you set me. In other words, there's no place you can put me where I'm not in Christ the Lord. He says, because I've had a new birth experience. I've, I've been born again of the water and the spirit. So put me in trouble, but I'm in Christ Jesus in trouble. So put me in dismay, but I'm in the Lord in dismay. It doesn't matter where you place my feet because I'm in him. Someone say amen. That's how he could say then. Note it now. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice because wherever you put me, I'm in him and I've got reason to rejoice. I'm still in the Lord. So I have reason to rejoice. It baffles people sometimes of Israel or even New Testament or even today when God's people are in dire straits but the song comes 
Like whenever I was a little kid, we still got the joy, 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 joy down in our heart. Because society sees the dilemma, but they don't see our God. They see our problem, but they don't see our Prince of Peace. They see all of our trouble, but they're not looking at the tower of safety that we have. And so we can rejoice in the Lord. Amen. So perhaps that's why the Apostle Paul dressed all the saints, verse number one, in Christ Jesus, which are at Philippi. He could have addressed Brother James, all the saints at Philippi. But nobly, he said, all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi. So before Paul even gets this letter off the ground, he needed the saints to realize, I need you to realize what you're in. Some of you might say, well, I'm in persecution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we got to back up just a moment. You're in something in persecution. You're the saints in Christ Jesus. Amen. I'm in difficulty, yeah. Oh, I'm in financial woe, yeah. But you're in Christ Jesus in financial woes. That changes things. You're not just in financial woes. You're in him in. (laughs) You're in Christ in all of that. So the the simple opening of letters, a lot of times you can read in the epistles, basically they'd say, this is, this is, it's kind of like today. This is who the letter's from. This is the, who the letter's to. Greetings, salutations, all that good stuff, right? Hi, how are you? Dear John. But Paul was a little bit more elaborate than that. He always had to go the extra mile, you know. Couldn't just say from Paul and Timothy to the Philippians, greetings. No, he went a little further than that because he wanted the Philippians to know that he and Timothy They were in Christ or subject to Christ. Paul calls himself in Timothy servants of Jesus Christ. And the actual word servant there is doulios in the Greek, and it means slaves. Now, this is not the mindset uh, that you're thinking of in the recent history of the Americas, okay? This, in, the Greeks, Gentiles, it didn't matter. All different groups and types of people had the possibility of being slaves in the Greek and Roman world. And what this term, though, wished to reflect something from the Old Testament. An Old Testament, when they had a slave, and I do my hands like that because it's not as modern day as you think, amen, there came a point in time that it would serve per se its master and then its master would release it and because it would, and you can read this in the Old Testament, because it would rather stay with its master than go free, there are times that rather than taking that opportunity of freedom, that individual would voluntarily give their life to their master. What began as a relationship that was an obligation for them to serve turned into a relationship that they loved the person they were serving. And they would serve them for life. Now, this is New Testament Greek, all right, in the Greek, in in the Roman world. Slaves in the New Testament, number one, they were the possession of another. Number two, yes, they had been bought with a price. Number three, the master's will, whatever the master wanted, that's what the slave will was. That's what they would do. But here's something else that we didn't think about. The slave there in the New Testament didn't worry about finding something to eat or something to sleep because that was taken care of by the master. You remember in the Gospels where Jesus even told his disciples, what did he say? He said, take no thought 
for what you eat. Take no thought for what you wear. In one place of the Gospels, I think a couple of places, he said, take no thought for your life. You didn't have to worry about these other things because that was the responsibility of your master. Paul says, me and Timothy, we're servants, we're slaves of the Lord. We're in Christ. So we don't have to worry about the persecution because that's not our persecution. We can't own anything. That's not our persecution. That's our masters. That belongs to him. Do you understand what I'm saying today? They didn't have to worry about despair. They didn't have to worry about hopelessness. Amen. All those belong to the master. And so what that allowed them to do was for their focus to be 100% totally upon their master. Paul, amen, through the different times that he was incarcerated, Paul didn't have need to worry about prison. Amen. But he was not his own. His life belonged unto the Lord. He was, if I can say, he was Jesus Christ's property. Amen. He belonged unto the Lord. He was Christ. And so it was Jesus' problem and not Paul's problem. Amen. I've heard certain people, I, I'm, I say I own my house, but I'm in the process of buying it. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> Me and the bank have this joint agreement. But I hear people oftentimes say that rent places, that rent places, they say it's quite liber liberating whenever the washer or the dishwasher goes out. You know why? They don't have to pay for it. They call up the landlord, say the heater's out. They don't have to worry about paying for it. They, ain't, they don't necessarily have to even worry about being the one to replace it. It's inconvenient, don't get me wrong, but it's not their problem because they're not the owner. <laughs> problem shows up at my doorstep. Not my problem. It's not my problem. I'm not the owner. Sickness rivets my body. It's not my problem. It's inconvenient. But I'm not the owner. Because I'm a saint in Christ. In Christ Jesus. Oh, oh. The slave of the New Testament. His very identity was imposed by his owner who gave him his name. It's interesting here. We joke sometimes. We go to an event. Have you ever been to an event where uh, seating was not reserved seating? You could sit anywhere you wanted or such. And <clears throat> you sit down, and there's a few more spots there, and someone walks up. You know, they say, is this seat taken? You know the drill, right? Is this seat taken? We say, no, do you see my name on it? <laughs> right? We say that because there's a sense of ownership when you name things or you put your name on things. Listen, in my experience, my grandparents were in the nursing home. Uh, we were guardian over a couple. They were in the nursing home. And in my experience, whenever this happens, if you don't put names on the tags of their shoes and their clothes, whenever laundry time takes place, and even don't have to happen at laundry time, uh, it can get mixed up and it becomes someone else's if the name isn't on it. Because the name is proof that belongs to Junior Weisenberger. Or that belongs to... 
When the name's put on there, it denotes ownership. As a matter of fact, in the Old Testament, and predominantly written in the Hebrew language, all right, uh, in Hebrew, to write the name upon or to put the name upon anything was a common figurative expression of taking absolute possession of or making something completely your own when the name was placed upon it. That's the reason why in the Old Testament scripture, we'll read the scripture in a bit in 2 Samuel, the Bible says that David's, David's captain of the army, Joab, was out fighting and he came to a position that it was ready to uh, fight against these people and they, they were very prosperous and did very well in fighting against them and they were at the, the juncture of overtaking the city that they had been fighting against and so when it came to that moment that it was ready to be overtaken, Joab cries out to David and says, David, says you need you need to get over here amen so you can be the one to overtake the city so you can put your name on it and call it after your name that you have ownership so it's not me this is what the scripture says in second samuel 12 and verse 26 and joab fought against rabbah of the children of ammon and took the royal city and Joab sent messengers to David and said, I have fought against Rabbi and have taken the city of waters. Now, therefore, gather the rest of the people together and encamp against the city and take it. Lest I take the city, here's what he's saying, and it be called by my name. He says, if I overtake it and I put my name on, it's going to be called after me. It's going to be as though Joab owns it. But you're the king. So you overtake it and you place your name on it. You own it. It belongs to you. Amen. We see another little occurrence of this in Isaiah 44. In the prophet Isaiah 44, Israel is referred to on more than one occasion in those first few verses as being God's servant. Again, translated in our, in our English Bible, servant, but real, real meaning is slave. Israel referred to as God's slave, all right? Verse number five, though, indicates that after they came out of captivity, they had been in captivity to another nation. And once they came out, that there were some faithful Jews that were unashamedly saying now that I am the Lord's. I like this. As a matter of fact, there were others that were writing the name of the Lord upon their hands, denoting that they belong to the Lord. Look at it. Isaiah 44 and verse 5. It says, and one shall say, I am the Lord's. And another shall call himself by the name of Jacob. And another shall subscribe, which means to engrave or to write with his hand unto the Lord and surname himself by the name of Israel. Amen. They're saying we're, we're not our own. We belong to another. That's great. New Testament scripture though. I ask you a question this morning. Where in the New Testament do we take the name of the Lord Jesus Christ upon us? Where do we take the name of the Lord Jesus Christ upon us? In the New Testament scripture, it conveys to us that we take the name of the Lord Jesus Christ upon us in baptism. We're baptized, according to Acts 2.38, we're baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Someone say amen. The Bible says, look at it now, Galatians 3 and verse 26 for ye are all the children, children, children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. It didn't say children three times in case you're not looking. Amen. <laughs> For as many of you as have been baptized into, in Christ, have put on Christ. 
There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither bond nor free. There's neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ, if you belong to him, Christ is possessive right there. If you be Christ, then ye are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. We'll look at that a little bit more here in a bit. We are the children of God. Someone say, I'm a child of God. We are the children of God because his name has been placed upon us. We are Christ. Again, that's possessive. He owns us. We belong to him. We are baptized, the scripture says, into Christ, thus hath put on Christ. Let me say it like this. Here. Illustration. Everybody great? Illustration. There we go. Coat. I put on coat. This is like C-spot run. C. I put on coat. I in coat. You hear me? I put on coat. I'm in coat. Christ. I'm baptized into Christ. I put on. I'm in Christ. Through baptism. Through his name. Because when we're baptized, we're baptized in his name. So it's not just being put in Christ because I've been baptized, but particularly I've been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not my own. I'm Christ's. I'm his. I belong unto him. I'm a servant, a slave, if you will, of his. I don't own anything, but my father owns everything. He has a cattle on a thousand hill. I don't have any resources, but he who I'm in has all the resources and was the creator of all. I don't have to worry. I don't have to despair. I don't have to be fretful. I don't have to be anxious for nothing, but in everything give thanks. Why? Because I'm in Christ. And we are Abraham's seed according to Galatians. Look at this. Follow here. And we are Abraham's seed and heirs. Good word. Heirs according to the promise. To be an heir. It's just natural Webster's Dictionary type of. To be an heir means, look at it now, that we are legally entitled to property and rank at another's death. When I got baptized in Jesus' name, Romans says that I'm buried with Christ. Number one, burial indicates there's been a death. That I'm buried in Christ. I buried with Christ in baptism. That means somebody died. We know Christ on the cross. We know Calvary. Well, I'm an heir. I'm legally entitled to the property and rank of another's death. <laughs> because he has died, because he has buried, because that took place, that makes me an heir. And when I got baptized, I got baptized in his name. That makes me an heir, notice now, according to the promise. Let me say it like this. When you get baptized in Jesus' name, that makes you legally entitled 
to be a, to be a recipient of the Holy Ghost. That's the reason why Peter said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and ye shall is the wording there because when you got baptized, you became legally entitled to the gift that belongs to your father. Oh, I'm feeling my oats here this morning. I even didn't eat oats, but Galatians chapter number three and verse 14. We're backing up in the chapter of Galatians three a little bit to tie back in with verse number 29. Look, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles. That's us. I don't know. Is anybody in here have a, a Jewish pedigree that goes all the way back to like Aaron and Moses? And Okay. You're a Gentile. The blessing of Abraham, which is the father of the Jews, might come on the Gentiles. How? Through Jesus Christ. That we might receive, look at this, the promise of the Spirit through faith. Now drop down to verse 16 here. We're going to, he's just kind of pulling back layers of the onion for us. Now to Abraham and his seed, singular. To Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not and to seeds, plural, as of many, but as of one and to thy seed, he's saying this is the seed it is, which is Christ. So way through this genealogy and pedigree of the Lord Jesus Christ, you can start somewhere with Abraham and you can trace it all the way to Christ. As a matter of fact, one of the gospels right off the top of my head, I can't remember which one, amen, Matthew, Mark, or Luke, John, if you look up the genealogy, it will even trace it back through Abraham. Trace it back through to the Jewish people. He said the promise that was made to Abraham and his seed, that seed that is referenced is Jesus Christ. Therefore, all who are in Christ, you on me? All who are in Christ are as accounted then as that seed. <laughs> Listen, before I was baptized in Jesus' name filled with the Holy Ghost, I wasn't in Christ. I wasn't a part of that seed. But when I took on his name in baptism and I received his spirit, which was entitled to me as a result of my baptism and as a result of his death, that put me in Christ and made me uh-huh, an heir of whatever that seed got. Woo. And he said it was the promise of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. Paul told the church at Ephesus, not only that, look at this, there's so many benefits to being in Christ. Paul told the church at Ephesus, he said, and you can read this in Ephesians 1, 3, and it may be up there, that the Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all, everybody say all, all's a big word, although it's three letters, <laughs> all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. All spiritual blessings in Christ. In the New Testament times, just walk with me here a little bit. In New Testament times, Roman times, slaves, this is important, derived their own status from the social standing of their masters. Such that slavery to an important person 
bestowed on the slave a certain amount of prestige and power. They had status by association. To be the slave of an influential and well-respected master was itself an esteemed position to the point, this is history, folks, in New Testament times during the Roman world and Greek world, to the point that slaves would often include the names of their owners on their tombstones. In other words, they had a standing because of their master's standing. Mm -hmm. And the name of the slave owner was often included on the tombstone of the slave. Let me say it like this. The owner's name was included where the slave was buried. Let me say that one more time. The owner's name was included where the slave was buried. Where I'm buried in the watery grave of baptism, I include my owner's name too. So Paul, I know I like went around the mulberry bush three times to get us started here today. You say you're just getting started. I'm just saying we're getting started in Philippians. Okay, no one get nervous. Grabbing your purse and thinking about the roast. Listen, Paul wanted to convey to the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi that guys greater, greater than the prison that I'm in, greater than that, Greater than the prison that I'm in is the Christ that I'm in. Greater than all of the having been beaten night and day in the deep and shipwrecked. Greater than all of that that I've experienced is the Christ that I'm in, that I've experienced. And as he said in Ephesians then, I can rejoice because all spiritual blessings are found there in Christ. They're all found right there in Christ. So he's calling the church at Philippi. He's calling them to that awareness from the very start. You all, I know you all think yourself as Christians, you think yourselves as saints, but let's get more, but you are the saints in Christ Jesus. You're saints. The word saint just basically means you're holy, right? Lord said, be ye holy, for I am holy, right? To be holy, is a, they're different from just other things. Another rendering, me and, me and Brother Malone was kind of kidding this morning right before church because all times it seems like there's more people that said on this side than on this side. And I told him, he said, me and you's going to have to start taking a shower or something. I don't know what's... <laughs> you don't look too bad right now with everybody else gone, but I'm just saying... Sometimes the teeter-totter is like this, and I might be looking at you all kind of like this. I don't know. But uh, I said, well, he said, well, we're just holy. <laughs> I said, we're set apart. But notice, that holds really true for these saints. That holds true for Paul because he's in prison. But he's set apart in prison because he's in Christ. He's a saint. He's a saint that's in prison. <laughs> But he's distinguished from what he's in, prison, because he's in Christ. 
Holiness of being holy isn't just about being different from the world or our society. It's about being like him because we are in him. So rather than a simple greeting, rather than just a little simple greeting, again, it wasn't like from Paul and Timothy to the Philippian church greetings. He went a little further. Paul greets the church in verse number two, and he does this often in his epistles and letters. Grace unto you and peace. He says this oftentimes, grace and peace. The Greek word translated grace was a normal greeting that the Greeks gave one another. It was typical, if I speak it in English, I'm not going to try it in Greek. But whenever the Greeks came and they would meet or encounter each other, their typical word would be grace. For us today, it's hello, right? Well, their grace was our hello. All right? They'd meet one another. Grace. Grace. Maybe we should start doing that. <laughs> grace. That's for the Greeks. But the Jews' typical way of, of greeting one another, even in the Old Testament, shalom. In the New Testament, it's a Greek, the Greek word. I'm not going to try to pronounce it. But it was peace. Jews met one another. It's not hello. It's peace. When they left, peace. Interesting. Because Paul uses both the Greek greeting and the Jew greeting right here for the church at Philippi. Predominantly because both Jew and Greek or Jew and Gentile made up, I like this, this church. And they were all in Christ. Jew, Greek, Gentile. And God's church is made up Asian, Caucasian, African-American, Native Indian. Every, John said, I see in the future, in the vision, he said, there's going to be a number that no man can number of every tribe, every race, if I may include every ethnicity. So Paul's addressing Philippi. This isn't a Jewish church. It's not a Greek church. Woo! Hallelujah! It's not a Roman church. He says, I greet you with grace and peace because whenever we take you all and you get in Christ, there's only one label that really matters. In Christ. Oh, someone say amen. In Christ. And so you have the grace, the unmerited favor of God, the unmerited saving work of God, which is grace, that brought what? Men and women of different nationalities, different races, if you will, together in peace with God, predominantly with each other. Amen. He told us there in Galatians 3.28, and you can stand with me. He told us in Galatians 3.28, he said, there isn't Jew or Gentile. There's neither Jew or Greek. There's neither bond or free. There's neither male or female. He said, because you've all been baptized into Christ. For ye are all, he said, one in Christ. So he doesn't come and say, I want to talk to the one-third Greek church and the two-thirds Jew church. No. He says the saints in Christ. And that's who we are still yet today. 
And we are still, amen, just given all the blessings of Christ that's in Christ. And let me say this morning, if you are not in Christ today, you can be. You can repent of your sins and you can be baptized in that name. You can relinquish control, surrender, ownership, right? Because what? Scripture in the gospel says, whoever will save his life, you want to be in control? You save your life, guess what? You're going to lose it. But if you'll lose your life, if you'll surrender and not be your own owner, you'll save it. That's in Christ. You can go into a watery grave of baptism today in the name of Jesus Christ. And as you're baptized in Christ, you can put on Christ. And automatically, you're an heir legally entitled to the gift of the Spirit. Can we bow our heads today? Father, I love you, Jesus, this morning. God, I'm thankful, Lord Jesus. God, for the promises of old. God, that's been made good, Lord Jesus, to us God being Lord Jesus in Christ, it's been made good to Abraham's seed, namely Christ Jesus. And if I am in Christ, Lord, by association, by being in him, it's good, it's beneficial, it's valid, it's relative, God, to me. I pray, oh, Lord, today you're able to help your people, Lord Jesus, this morning. God, some of them are walking in trials. Some of them are walking in difficulties. Some of them, Lord, has had, Lord, God, from a hard time, but Lord if they are in you they are in you in that hard time they are in you in that difficulty they are in you in that trouble and we have great consolation because there's also every spiritual blessing that's found in the Lord it may be a moment and a time of inconvenience but we can rejoice and be glad and joy in the Lord in the Lord in the Lord always and again rejoice because Lord our name amen has been adopted from the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray, oh God, today, God, strengthen someone's heart and mind today. Help them, Lord, to ponder, Lord, the words that was spoken here today. I pray, Jesus, and become, Lord God, in you, Lord Jesus, through faith, through obedience, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that I pray. Hallelujah. And the church say amen. Amen. You're saints today in Christ. Amen. Be encouraged in the Lord. Again, tonight, Bishop will be preaching. Amen. You want to be here for that. Wednesday, Brother Zach will be teaching. Next Sunday, amen, Mason and Mason, morning and night. Amen. You don't want to miss any of those things. God bless you this morning in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.